Welcome to the Christ Life Ministries podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Olubi Johnson. For more information about this podcast and our other resources, please visit spcconline.org. God bless you. Indeed, the Lord is so close to us only if many times we are conscious of it. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. As we were praying, as we are singing rather, worshiping, I had a flash. You know, two hands clasped together. Many times you let go, but God never does. His hold on you is permanent grip he grips you sometimes in your panic and your you let go but he will he never never doesn't matter what you do now that doesn't mean you go about doing bad things he won't leave you that song is such a beautiful song it says through all the years even when we didn't know he was still Even before we became Christians, on Wednesday I did an elaborate teaching using the centurion as a type on sheep that are not of this fold. And the earth is full of millions of them. There are millions of centurions on the earth today who have that kind of heart. How could the centurion who was not a Jew who did not have the scriptures have more greater faith than all Israel and God doesn't exaggerate because the law of God had been written in his heart through the conscience that he obeys so that law that was in his heart gave light for faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word same same principle the principle hasn't changed but now it's being done you know by the Holy Spirit. So much so that that man had, E.W. Kenyon said this, it impressed me when I read it, you know, uh, E.W. Kenyon make this comment. He said that the centurion had a greater spiritual appreciation of who the Lord Jesus was than most believers have today. He said that in the 1920s, 1930s, of the last century is still true today over a hundred years ago most Christians don't appreciate Jesus the way the centurion did he said you don't have to come to my house you don't have to come to my house he said for I am a man under authority I said to this one go and he comes and I said to this one come and he comes I understand this is a paraphrase this, I, I'm paraphrasing the same way E.W. Kenyon paraphrased it you know he said I understand that as I have authority over these soldiers, you have authority over sickness and disease. If you say go, it will go. If you say come, it will come. The Bible says Jesus marveled. But how could an unbeliever, technically speaking, that is a person who wasn't a Jew, today we will say someone who's not a Christian, have more faith than all the church? Because of his heart. This Christianity thing rises and falls 
on the disposition and the condition of our hearts. Honesty and humility are fundamental. They're not things you do away with after you get born again, God forbid. They're things you must continue to nurture. I preached this message many years ago. The good and honest heart. And it struck me. The heart was good and honest before it received the word. It was not the word of God that made the heart good and honest. The, it was already good and honest. And when it received the word, it brought forth a hundredfold. Now, so what made the heart good and honest before it got the word? Conscience. The earth is full of them. There are many like I used to be like that. I was one of them. Before I knew Jesus, before I knew God, God was looking after me. Because of by His grace, the honesty and the humility of my heart. And I'm not the only one. There are many like that. When I meet them, because in your interactions, you can tell you know, we call them good men. So Cornelius was a good man. The rich young ruler was a good man. Abimelech was a good man. Naaman was a good man. Rahab, even the prostitute, was, she had a good heart. Ruth was a good woman. These were, they were not in Israel. They were not born again. And they became heroes and heroines of faith. Dearly beloved, treasure above every other thing the integrity of your heart. Don't let anything tamper with it. Above every other thing, if you don't say the truth to others, say it to yourself and to God. Because that is what is going to determine your destiny. Before Christianity and after Christianity. I, yet not I, but the grace of God which is who speak to you, Olubi Johnson, today. That's my story. I told a bit of it on Wednesday. When I look back now, and I realize it wasn't I was better than anybody else. Or it was the mercy and the grace of God that was following and honest. I made my mistakes. I was a sinner. But I was honest about so many things. Even without being conscious of it. And that disposition of heart to do to others as you want them to do to you. So that's all the law and the prophets. We, don't, we didn't have life. We didn't know Jesus. We didn't have Holy Ghost. Just that little, that, that. And then practicing it to the best. Of course, because you're a sinner, you won't do it perfectly. You do the best of that alone. That is what God will just, just see the mercy and the grace of God. Just be following you. Gradually, God will bring you to where He can get you born again. That's my story. Today, we're going to be looking at David at Ziglag. I began last week Bethlehem, Ziglag, Hebron, and Jerusalem. I shared with us that the life of David is a shadow. Of the life of every New Testament Christian. Went through the scriptures. All of us are called the offspring of David. 
we looked at all the scriptures. Look at the genealogies. Abraham and David. David is singled out. Even the Lord Jesus is called the son of David. In the book of Revelation, the Bible ends with David. The root and offspring of Jesse. In Revelation chapter 5 verse 5, Jesus is called the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. No offspring. Then later on he says the offspring. And God gave me revelation. The Lord Jesus is the root of David because he created David. He was his God. The word in the beginning who made all things. We, you and I are the offspring of David. If you are Christian, you are offspring of David. Just like you are of Abraham. In fact, it's through Abraham. If ye be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and by extension David's seed and heirs according to the promise. God was taking David to the throne. Just like God is taking every Christian to the throne. If you look at the promises of the overcomer in the book of Revelation, Revelations 2 and 3, you find that it is, they are progressively increasing glorious rewards firstly you know not to escape the second death then you know to eat of the tree of life then you know uh, uh, get power of the nations and so on and so forth and it culminates in sitting on the throne that is your destiny the destiny of david when he was born in bethlehem amongst his brethren was to go from being somebody who was just a shepherd boy looking after the sheep to becoming the king of all of Israel. Your life follows or should follow the same trajectory. You get born again, you're just a servant, you know, and then you are supposed to. Sadly, most don't, but that's the will of God. You know, it's not the will of God that they don't. I'm saying this is the will of God. It's just like it's the will of God for everybody to get born again, but not everybody gets born again. It's the will of God for every Christian to become a spiritual king. But not every Christian becomes a spiritual king because, you know, it's for the same reason why people go to hell because of unbelief, you know, wrong teaching and stuff like that. So, we're looking at this. Uh, with today, we want to zero in at Ziglag. Now, I'll just give a brief review. Uh, David had three anointings. I first heard this truth from Pa S.G. Elton. He didn't preach it like I'm preaching it today. He just said it in one of the meetings in IVCU. I believe the year was 1982. I went there in the afternoon. I still remember it. I just got in. The hall was full. Anytime Pa used to come from Elisha, everybody comes to church. Well, you know, fellowship back in those days. So we're sit I was sitting somewhere. I just entered in. I was a little bit late. Pa started talking. So I just entered in quietly and I just sat somewhere in the back. And I heard Pa Elton boom with his voice booming. David at Ziglag. I don't know what that means, but it's going to be important for every single one of you. Because we are of, he mentioned that, you know, we were, we were of the seed of David. Then he said this. He said, David had three anointings. He said, each and all of us should have three anointings. He was anointed amongst his brethren in Bethlehem. He was anointed in Hebron over one tribe. And then finally he was anointed king of all Israel. And he speaks of three anointings that all of us must get. He didn't explain all of it like I'm doing it now. But he just dropped it. And some of us, I being one of them by the grace and the mercy of God, picked it. And I went to him and I started reading the scriptures. I didn't understand it initially. 
you know. But I began to pray, pray in the Spirit. And then God brought other teachings to my hands by some of the great prophetic teachers of our time. People like George Warnock, you know, Bill Britton, and many others, you know. And later on, uh, brought, God brought Ralph Martin, Kelly Verner, and some of these kingdom preachers who would teach by revelation the things in the life of many of the new old testament characters that are prophetic shadows of what we are doing today it is sad regrettable that many word of faith christians have thrown away the old testament and said well you know all i just need is the epistles what i am in christ that's true you know but you see uh, the details all you have in the old testament in the new testament excuse me are the principles the details of how to do many of those things are hidden in the types and the shadows of the Old Testament. You do yourself a great disfavor not to know the Old Testament thoroughly. So that when, you are, when, 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 when God wants to give you instruction, you will be able to understand that instruction using the Old Testament types. For instance, Kenneth Hagin, I shared this also, I think I mentioned this on Wednesday. Kenneth Hagin had an experience. He was being led by the Holy Spirit. He didn't fully understand it, but he just did it. The year was 1943-44, you know, towards the end of World War II. And he said the Holy Spirit led him to start praying the Ephesians prayer, Ephesians chapter 1. He put his name there, that God give me, Kenneth, the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of you, the eyes of my understanding being enlightened, that I may know. You know, the hope of your calling, the riches of the glory of your inheritance, and the saints, and the exceeding greatness of your power which you wrought in Christ when raised him from the dead. He said he would pray it in the morning, he would pray it in the afternoon, he would pray it in the night. He prayed in the morning, he prayed in the afternoon, prayed in the night. Continuously like that for six months. Why six months? I'm going to tell you in a minute. You know, after six months, he said he began to get light. He began to get revelation that was more than all the revelation I got in 14 years. 14 years of ministry. He said, what have I been saying? What have I been preaching? All these 14 years, he had the miraculous. He had word of wisdom, word of knowledge. He had the gifts of the spirit. He had healing. That's not spirituality, folks. Gifts of the spirit does not, is, no, is no sign of spirituality. The Corinthian church came behind in no gift. Yet, Paul said, I could not speak unto you as unto spiritual. They were carnal. Yet they had gifts. Balaam, the donkey of Balaam, had workings of miracles. Two, he saw discerning of spirits, he saw an angel. I'm talking about the donkey, not Balaam. And he spoke with man's voice. But he was still a donkey afterwards. He died a donkey. True. The gifts of spirit are embellishments that God puts on you to, to, to work out a purpose. But if you don't do anything about your character, those gifts will just come and they will go. So Kenneth Hagen has his experience and I, yet not I, but the grace of God which was me, learned about this in 1979 from Kenneth Hagen. I just dubbed it. I just copied him. I started praying. Again, it was exactly about six months. It was years later when I was reading the book of Esther. I'm showing you how the Old Testament contains types and shadows of details now when esther was going to go before the king they took her for one year 
six months of bitter odors than six months of sweet perfumes. You know, that's a, that's a historical statement, but it has a prophetic undertone. The first six months when you begin to pray these kind of prayers, it will be bitter because of the sin nature is still in your soul that God is trying to work on. It's like something that has been very dirty. Then you're working on it. You're cleaning it every day. You're cleaning it. It takes six months. Then after cleaning it, suddenly the, the window becomes clean. Then you can start seeing. It takes that six months. And most people do not stay the course of the first six months. So they never get into revelation knowledge. Because it's just like a drudgery. Morning, afternoon, night. Give me and nothing happens. To one week, two weeks, three months. Nothing happens. But if you know the Old Testament and you understand the shadow, you will understand, ah, I've got to stay with it. It happened to Kenneth Hagin, it happened to me and loads and loads of other people. You know, and then the next six months are sweet odors, which the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, I think it's 11 somewhere, where it says the light is sweet. Give me that scripture. Many people don't know it. Yeah, all these things are all in the Old Testament. They're all, they're all there. But we, we don't know the Old Testament. Look at it. And I said, truly, I didn't hear you. The light is sweet. And a pleasant thing it is for the eyes to behold the sun. He's not just talking about the sun of the light, which is also true, you know. But he's talking about the light of revelation. And that's why Esther, go to Esther. Esther chapter 1 or 2 or 3, I can't remember where it is. I think it's Esther 2 something. 2.15, something like that, you know. Yeah, here it is. 2.12, thank you. It says, for the days... Oh, look, this just looks like a story. It is a story. But it's inside it is revelation. That's why you need to know the Old Testament. Detail. Look at what it says. And, 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 and the days of their purifications were accomplished. To wit, six months of oil of myrrh, bitter. Six months of sweet odors. That's when the revelation starts coming. The light is sweet. Now, if I didn't know and I had not sat under prophetic teachers and I myself had not been praying, and reading my Bible and on the Old Testament, I won't know these scriptures. How can you connect Ecclesiastes with Esther and come out with Revelation? You can't, except by Revelation. Just use that. So that's why what we're reading now and studying about David is very important. If, and I use the word if, very. Uh, guardedly because it is all conditional though it is the will of God it is see everything that is written is the will of God that's why we have that great statement of scripture in the New Testament in 2nd Corinthians he said for all the promise of God in him are what and if it's a promise in the Bible if you are in Christ it's a and amen for you the will of God always but you got to fulfill the conditions so you find David He's on his way to the throne. He's anointed at Bethlehem, which speaks of our baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. It's just the earnest anointing. And with the earnest anointing, you fight, you kill the lion and the bear. It's the earnest anointing, you kill Goliath. We're going to deal with the loss of the flesh. We're going to talk more about that today. But that doesn't take you to the throne. Take you to the house of Saul. And then you and Saul and Jonathan, 
They're all fellowshipping together. Then as you begin to grow spiritually, David begins to outgrow Saul, Jonathan, you know, and God begins to call him out into the wilderness. And then he gets discouraged, thinks Saul was going to kill him. Then he goes to Ziklag. If Ziklag is in the land of the Philistines, it is outside the main um, region of the natural Israel. Ziklag is the place just before Hebron. Hebron is where you get the second anointing, which is a spirit without measure, you know, undercovering, you know, with uh, uh, you partake of the spirit without measure. Then Jerusalem is where you inherit the spirit without measure, which is what we see Jesus do when he was 30 years old. Jesus went through all the stages. You see him at 12, which would be Bethlehem. Then you see him, you don't see it, but it's there. If you know the Old Testament. That's why you need to know the Old Testament. At 20, he gets a second one. Limited, although he doesn't start doing miracles. But he grows because that's when you become a Levite. Then at 30, is when you become a priest. That's when he, get, he inherits the spirit without measure. How do I know? Because I know the Old Testament. If I don't know the Old Testament, I won't know that. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We believe these words have empowered you to live a victorious, transcendent life in Christ. Our mission is to equip God's people for service and build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We encourage you to enjoy and share from thousands of resources, including books, sermons, prophecies, and articles available on our website, spcconline.org. Thank you, and God bless you.